What is going on, Wolfpack? This is the Wolf of Roto Street of your fantasy fullback dive, the podcast that paves your path to 2019 titles. And this is a Roto Street Journal product, rotostreetjournal.com, your home base for everything to win your 2019 titles. And boy, we've been churning out the content because I am on summer vacation. It feels so damn good. Uh, I've been literally just doing fantasy football for the last seven straight hours about... Uh, the air raid offense yesterday was 10 hours on like Greg Roman's offense. I mean, I've just been literally drowning in fantasy knowledge for about 24 to 48 straight hours, and it's been awesome. Uh, but today, I am here to do a bold prediction show with our guy uh, Sammy over at Draft Room Pod. And me and him have done a couple podcasts. I've joined his show, and this time we're, we record the audio so we can share it on both podcasts. And it was a fantastic episode so far. We had bold predictions for every prediction, uh, every position outlined and ended up only getting through our uh, quarterback and wide receiver predictions. So that, that was the type of episode it was. Some of them we agreed on and we both built each other's points for each other. Many more we disagreed on wholeheartedly and got into some pretty fiery debates, which is why I love going with Sammy. He gives it well. I, I give it right back. And we, it was a fantastic episode. So I hope you enjoy this one. I think it's important to do an episode like this too right now before training camp hits and it kind of throws our brain all over the place again. It's good to think about who are you just kind of all in on or all out on and make those predictions now. And then remind yourself in the in the summer, am I still this way? You know, last year, Christian McCaffrey was a guy I entered the the training camp season all out on and I said there's no way with CJ Anderson he's going to get all the touches and that opinion changed and that's a good thing it changed but it, it was useful to see right now uh, th- those type of things. Where do I stand? Which ones am I going to hold firm on by the time our drafts are rolling around? Which ones do I want to change on? So here they are, the bold predictions episode. You got quarterbacks, wide receivers here. Me and Sammy, again, of Draft Room Pod. You can find him on all your socials. He's a new and up-and-coming guy that is fantastic. So if you haven't heard that podcast, Draft Room Podcast is his show as well. Always brings it. Uh, and a great just fantasy mind and that I, I highly respect. So hope you enjoy this episode, let me know what you think at Roto Street Wolf is where you can find me, um, Roto Street Journal on all your socials as well if you want to connect. This is the time of the year, guys. Get your questions in. We're going to start doing a mailbag every single episode from here on out. Looking forward to it. Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the What is going on? Welcome back into another episode of the Draft Room Podcast. It's your host, Summy, and I'm back here with my man, Nick Trakoff. Nick, the wolf from Roto Street Journal. So glad to have you back on, man. What's up? I'm so pumped to be back, dude. I always love shooting the fantasy stuff with you. We always end up having great conversations. It looks like today we might have a few debates, too. After Usually we're in agreement because we're both wolves and we both see the same nice trends, but I got I was looking at our agenda here. Some awesome bold <laughs> predictions coming come in your audience and my audience's way, and there's a couple we definitely agree on, and there's a few I can't wait to kind of dig in with you. It's going to be a fun episode for sure. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. I know uh, there's a certain player uh, that you tweeted at me about today. <laughs> that, uh, I'm going to try to do my best to convince you and show you uh, why I'm right. And you're wrong, but we'll see. And, we'll I mean, get there. <laughs> it's one of those players too. And this happened last year. And maybe this will be the. It's actually now that we're talking about it, very parallel. Is McCaffrey was a guy last year who I wasn't sold on because I wasn't sold he was going to get the volume. And then by the end of the preseason, I took him in almost every single draft. You know, by pick eight, I was taking McCaffrey. And yep. early in the preseason, I was hating this guy. And then CJ because it was CJ Anderson who very similar with I mean preview alerts, Carry On Johnson. I love the talent just like. McCaffrey, I love Carrion's ability. It's just a matter of, is he going to see the volume? So you're going to have to convince me when we get to him that he's going to see the volume. Because I do love the player. If you can convince me he's going to see the volume, maybe I'll change my tune. We'll see. No doubt. We'll definitely get there, man. Uh, But first, um, obviously, for the listeners who are just tuning in for the first time that have not found us on on socials, um, Nick, why don't you tell everyone where to find you, where to find Roto Street Journal, the Fantasy Fullback Dive Podcast, all that. Absolutely. So Fantasy Fullback Dive, as you said, is our podcast. You can find all our show notes at ffbdpod.com, ffbdpod.com, which is also our Instagram handle for the podcast. But this is also a branch of our kind of main umbrella site, which is Roto Street Journal. Um, Roto Street Journal on Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter, Roto Street Journal on Facebook, where we do a bunch of live streaming, a lot of interactive stuff in the summer. It's great. I do what we call uh, daily draft wizards, and you can tell me what your position is. I I draft for you. You can ask questions while I do it. So all that stuff happening on Facebook and all those other socials as well. So hit me up in all those. I love chatting it. My personal Twitter is Roto Street Wolf. Uh, Just hit me up there as well. I'm always down to chat fantasy. And now I'm a teacher on summer vacation, so I have a whole lot more time to do it now than I did uh, just a month ago. So I'm, I'm thrilled and would love to connect with anybody listening. Man, that's, uh, you know, we were just talking about that before we hit the record button here. But uh, being a teacher must be awesome. Getting the summer off, getting uh, ready for the season. It's the uh, fucking best, man. <laughs> I, I wish I went into that profession, man. It, I, I'm in the so wrong profession. Good. Uh, it's so good. But then when you're actually on summer, it reminds you so much of like why you need to just, like, it, make, yeah. it motivates me more than anything to get this done because yes, I love the kids and I love teaching, uh, but I had a tough class this year. It was a pretty rough group and I would be more than happy to be doing fantasy football full time, which I know is both our goals here. So. What do they, what, what do the kids do? Throw spitballs at you while you're turning around? <laughs> Not, nothing that, nothing that ridiculous. Just, uh. <laughs> They're they're addicted to their phones now, which I, I understand. I'm a, I'm on my phone all the time with fantasy when I'm not at school, of course. But I get it. Like it's, it's such an absorbing device that I it's a hard fight for me to want to fight because I get why they're distracted. But man, it, it's tough when you have to be like, all right, you got to put your phone away, and they talk bad. That's the biggest issue is phones. Uh, and just I went from seniors to to freshmen, and you never realize just how big of like an age gap. It's almost like I'm back teaching middle school again because uh, they grow up so much in those four years, and it's been really nice having the the mature adult conversations with seniors. Then you go to freshmen, and you're just like, holy shit, you guys are <laughs> you think you know everything and you know nothing. So it's been oh, an interesting man. shift, and they're great kids and they're enthusiastic and all that. But man, yep. I'm happy. Be it summer, especially now. I've just been grinding out football the last week. It's been amazing. Yes, sir. All right. So let's uh, actually, before we jump in, I want to let the audience know where to find me as well. Uh, Draft Room Pod on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, get in touch with us. Just like Nick, I love interacting with listeners. Uh, I love answering questions. Um, if you have questions about why I have certain players rank where they are, get in touch with me because I can. I have data to back it up, right? Mm-hmm. I have 
I have historical metrics. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I go off of, and I love to share that kind of stuff. I don't like to keep that hidden. So uh, I'm pretty transparent with everything. Again, get in touch with me at DraftFromPod, Twitter, Instagram, DraftFromPodcast on all of your podcast listening platforms. Other than that, Nick, man, let's just get right into it. We're going to go over yeah. – uh, we're going to go over bold predictions today, and uh, some of these predictions are pretty damn bold. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going over each position, so quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And we have two bold predictions for each position group except for tight ends. We only have one bold prediction just because it's, let's be honest, it's, it's kind of everyone's least favorite position in fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Aside from kicker. Um, but no, let's let's kick it off. I'm gonna I'm gonna start things off here, Nick. And uh, I think I stole this one from you, but I, I you know I, I got love to this it first. one though. Yeah, I love this one. I'm happy you put it in here. I could, I've been writing about this all day today too, so I'm right. Re- <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> let's do this. So my yeah. first bold prediction here, Nick, is that Kyler Murray is going to finish as a QB eight or better in four mm-hmm. point and six point passing touchdown leagues. And I say that because. You know, it's not just because of his rushing ability, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I don't know if you caught that video with him and Andy Isabella. Oh, yeah, at, I did. Uh, at practice. Of course I uh, did. So this kid didn't run at his pro day or at the combine because he obviously put on a little bit of weight because that was his biggest concerning mm-hmm. factor for scouts and coaches where this guy's too small. He's not durable enough. So he put on a little bit of weight for the combine. That He didn't run. He, he knew he was a little bit slower than he than he usually is. And we saw the video now that came out. And, you know, Andy Isabella, what do you run? A 4-3 at his combine? Mm-hmm. Some insane speed. And they were pretty much in step together. So I'm not saying that Kyle Murray is going to finish as a QB8 just because of his rushing ability. But that definitely plays a factor. It's there. And it's, it certainly doesn't hurt. And there's some great stats, too, to, to just keep building on that where if the quarterbacks received 100 uh, rush attempts, I got this one from Ian Harditz, and anybody who doesn't follow him, I Harditz on on Twitter, a great follow. We've had him on our pod a few times. He's an awesome, just an awesome guest, awesome guy, awesome to interact with. Uh, So if you don't follow him, he he comes out with some amazing stats. Uh, And he had one about how quarterbacks who have at least 100 rush attempts, there's been 20 of those quarterbacks since 2000. I think it was something like 17 out of 20 have been top six fantasy quarterbacks or something along that line, maybe a little bit less. But it it was right around like 70% or so. Uh, And the rushing upside, he might be the best rushing quarterback we've seen since Michael Vick. Maybe even better. 4-3 speed is his unofficial time. What he said he ran. And then, as you mentioned, matches Andy Isabella, who runs a 4-3-1 in a race. So so I believe it. At first, I was like, all right, yeah, good one, Kyler. You're not going to run, but you're going to tell us you run a 4-3. But if he can beat Andy Isabella or at least match him in a race... Then he's got some jets, and he ran for what a thousand and twelve as as a college quarterback. And it's not just long speed. I mean, he is so damn quick and elusive in the pocket when he finally gets outside the pocket too. I mean, he's change of direction abilities. He can make guys miss. Uh, the one thing with that, I, I want to ask you, and, and we'll keep talking about his arm too, because I know the whole thing is it's not his rushing, which is is fantastic. Right. But that's certainly a bonus. Does the rushing make you nervous at all that he could be like an RG three? I know his arm's better, and we're gonna get to the arm too, but. Are you nervous that he's small and, and exposing himself to these hits? That's the one thing I have as a question mark. Or we can get to that's that in a little bit. But so that's a great no, no, So that's a great question, right? Mm-hmm. And I've I've stressed this over and over. If you've been a listener of the Draft Room podcast, uh, you've certainly heard me talk about uh, Kyler Murray quite a bit. And the thing with this offense, Nick, is it, they're going to be getting the ball out pretty quick. Yep. And I mean that kind of leads into my next point, where you know he's more of a pocket passer than he is a scrambler, where mm-hmm. he does have the ability to scramble should he need to. 
but he can stand and deliver with the best of them. And um, I don't feel like he's going he, like he's smart about if you watch him in college, he's smart yeah. about how he takes hits yep. kind of like a Russell Wilson. You know, I'm not comparing him to Russell Wilson, but he knows how to get out of bounds. He knows mm. how to avoid hits. And I think that's going to help a lot, especially his elus- elusiveness. And like you mentioned, his quick burst ability, change of direction. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, you combine the fact that they have amazing pass catchers yeah. now. They upgraded this offense like crazy uh christian kirk second year sophomore rookie uh sophomore wide receiver here i mean last year rookie year caught 63 percent of his balls but then you take away all those off-target throws by josh rosen mm-hmm. uh, and you get his true catch rate of 90 percent on all catchable targets for a rookie that is phenomenal playing against pro level dbs pro level mm-hmm. safeties pro level cornerbacks and you know christian kirk he was actually tied for 21st with yards per reception with DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr. So the talent's there. Uh, he he actually performed better in that category than Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley, Juju Smith-Schuster. So that, that guy's a talented uh, wide receiver by himself. But now you look at what they added in and Andy Isabella, who has the potential to be an elite separator at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Report just came out on Thursday, yesterday. You guys are hearing this today on Friday. Report just came out that, you know, the Cards plan on using a lot of three wide sets with Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. So that right there is pretty dangerous when you have a big slot like Larry Fitzgerald and you have Andy Isabella as well who can separate on the perimeter. Uh, not to mention the the best weapon on the team, who I think is David Johnson, mm-hmm. who I think is going to see over 100 targets this year, reclaim his spot in the top three running backs. And he's going to remind people, you know, don't sleep on him. But, I mean, what are your thoughts here on this offense? Like, why do you feel like Kyler Murray is going to finish as a top eight quarterback? I, and I honestly think it could be a whole lot higher. I'm on record on my podcast, and, and anybody listening to my podcast here too, you've probably heard this, calling him to 2019 Mahomes. And, and the parallels are just so damn similar uh, with these two in terms of we break them down that fantasy stock formula, the talent. You just talked about the rushing ability, the, the passing ability. This guy was drafted ninth overall to play baseball. He's got a cannon arm. Uh, he yeah. had the, the highest yards per attempt uh, or per completion ever, 10.4 in NCAA history. So, I mean, he can throw the ball at every single level, uh, drops in a beautiful deep dime, has nice touch on the short game passes as well. Uh, the talent is just all there. It's all ripe. He's the, he's the number one pick for a reason. I'm not worried about the height. So that's our first category's talent, usage, and, and then kind of often dictated and tied to scheme. What's better than an air raid style offense? I mean, obviously it's a question mark. Is it going to pan out or not? We can't, can't guarantee that for sure, but we've had a, our guy Drew Holling said, if you haven't heard our podcast with him yet, it's absolutely fantastic. He's um, a, the quality control coach under Mike Leach, like the godfather of the air raid. Right. He also played quarterback at Houston under Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, so he knows Cliff Kingsbury as well as anybody, and he is essentially guaranteeing that Cliff is going to make this work, especially after he goes and gets Kyler Murray, who's been engineer. He's been an engineer of an air raid offense. Like we already talked about, forty-two hundred yards and thirty-two touchdowns in the air, a thousand and twelve on the ground. He's the perfect engineer. The guy that Cliff Kingsbury said, "If I can draft number one overall, I would take Kyler Murray." And that's when he was a college coach, and then conveniently goes up and is a man of his word. It's almost like fatalistic in a way that right. Kyler Murray ends up with with uh, Cliff Kingsbury in this perfect system for him. I have, a, I have a theory about for that. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a theory. So I think the cards drafted 
Cliff because they had the number one pick with Kyler Murray coming out. Yeah. And I think they got Cliff for that specific reason because they had a conversation with him and Cliff was like, yeah, I'll pick Kyler Murray for sure. What, it wouldn't surprise me. I was reading about Steve Kahn today. I, be, I actually all day have been writing about the air raid offense. We have a, an off-season Bible coming out where we break down all the coaching changes, all the free agencies and whatnot. And today was air raid day. So I've literally been reading about the air raid for seven straight hours, writing about it and whatnot. <laughs> so all the concepts, all that, I, I, if anybody wants to know about it, hit me up on Twitter. I could talk about the air raid for the next two hours if we wanted to. Um, but yeah, Steve Kahn did, you know, come out and say, as, as I was watching his tape, I just got wowed and wowed. And I think I wrote down wow 500 times with this guy. And obviously, again, Cliff Kingsbury is the perfect guy to unlock the upside. He's been chasing him since his sophomore year um, in high school. He, he's been obsessed with this guy. So you got the perfect scheme, ideally. I mean, will it translate or not? It's a, a big question mark. But if it translates, you're talking about uh, a fast-paced up tempo. I mean, you said three wides with Larry Fitz, um, and Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabel, but even more often, over 60 to 70% of the time, he went four wide, uh, and yep. often even five wide, empty, but had taken that running back and motioning him out. Uh, yep. So that, that was his most frequent, was four wide, one, uh, 10 personnel, one back in the backfield, David Johnson. Uh, so this offense just loves to push the tempo, attack you, whether it's four verticals, Y stick, all these different concepts that are meant to get the receivers in space and just blowing through the defense. And we've seen it work at the college level and we've seen it trickle into the NFL with you know Todd Munkin with the Bucks last year we saw Andy Reid try to cater a little bit of air raid to Pat Mahomes and they were both the first and third respectively in passing yards in the league so there's this right. whole misconception oh it's, it's gimmicky it's not going to work in the NFL defenses are too fast but when teams have used those concepts it's been very effective and this is the first time we're going to see it full-blown air like air raid just all in style and clearly right. going to go all in with like you mentioned all the receivers they draft Drafted Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler in round four. If they're going four wide, you got a six five guy Hakeem that runs Butler, a four 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 eight. Four, four, eight. I, I mean, insane. insane, great ball skills. Like, yeah, a little raw in the route development, but there's almost every single route has one guy streaking down the field, and there's no one better at that than Hakeem Butler. So they got these perfect fitting talents, all this speed around Kyler Murray, all this speed with Kyler Murray himself. It's just a beautiful looking, awesome scheme. So scheme wise, I graded him out perfectly. I think I might. Give even a 14 out of 15 or whatever the exact was just because we don't wow. know it's going to pan out usage wise I mean he's the engineer they, they're going to drop back and throw it 50 times a game so you're not yeah. going to have a quarterback throw much more than Kyler Murray so he gets a ton of usage points plus the rushing right. he graded out 24 out of 25 for me surrounding talent we just raved about all the receivers they drafted the guys they already had the running back is insane the line is a question mark but you mentioned he didn't take a lot of sacks because he gets it out so quick uh, and the offense is designed to you know Cliff Kingsbury he's had one one offensive lineman drafted in the last, I think, 10, whatever he was, seven years of college coaching, uh, one lineman drafted, and I think he's only given up like the, the bottom 10 percentile of sacks because they get the ball out so fast. So I'm not yep. overly worried about the line who has a bunch of returning starters that were injured all last year, too. So the only real risk, I mean, this was, and when you look at Mahomes, all those categories were what we were checking the boxes off. We're like, this is not a box this guy doesn't check outside the fact that we haven't seen it yet. And so, right. yes, you got to take that that leap of faith is a little bit of unprovenness. And, and that's the thing, right? With fantasy, it's like you can't buy high. Like if you if you wait a year, you're gonna buy you're gonna end up buying Kyler exactly. Murray at his ceiling, and then you're gonna end up paying like a third or fourth round price, just exactly. like you are right now with Mahomes. 
So exactly. you want to you, you want to buy early, and yeah. I mean, I mean, so going back to your so point what doesn't with, work though? I mean, all those boxes outside of unproven. Is there any one thing that is there is there not to love about him? I mean, there's no reason he can't be top three if all those things work out perfectly outside of the unprovenness of him and the unprovenness of the scheme. There's literally nothing that's like not perfect here, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, so top three for me, I'm kind of hedging my bet with top eight only because the quarterback class is so deep this year. Well, and he's I'm going having... as the quarterback 15, too, so it's right, like what, right, we don't right. have to buy him as the QB3, but... Exactly. You know, but next just year, like he Mahomes, will be going as a QB3. I know? would not be shocked to see him go. I, like, I really think he's going to be one of those guys around 3-4. Like, I really think he's going to be this year's Mahomes. I've, it just seems too perfect to me. I really hope I don't face plan on this one because I'm all in, <laughs> as you clearly are, too. I, I, You're I on record. I'm on record. We're yeah. both on record. But one thing I did want to add here, Nick, is I, I took a little deep dive in the, into the past six years, um, and I tried to figure out, you know, the total number of plays run in an offense mm-hmm. to how many QB1 finishes. So yeah. top 12 QBs, right? So since Ooh, 2013, like out of the top 16 teams that have finished in the highest number of plays run, Right. Mm-hmm. 2013, eight of those teams had a top 12 QB, QB finish. 2014, 11 out of those 16 teams had a top 12 finish. Mm-hmm. Then you have nine, five, five, and seven last year. Seven quarterbacks out of the top 16, meaning the top half of the league that, you know, in total number of, numbers of plays run, they finish as a QB one. Yeah. So. If this offense works, I think it's hard to say that Kyler doesn't finish at least, at the very least, at the QB12 position. And that's their whole thing, uh, right, is plays run. I mean, David Johnson's been on record saying he hopes to have 90 plays in a game. Now, that's a little bit crazy, but in college, right. I mean, it was about 90 plays a game, so 70, 80. As long as everything's clicking, there's no reason these guys won't be in the top three or four, in my opinion, in, in plays run. So that's, an, yep. that's a really interesting stat. I like that one. Thank I did you. not know that. Cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I got I got a little bit of a, a data analysis on on my side over here too, man. There you uh, go. I love it. Call me Ian Harditz. No, I'm kidding. Don't call me that. <laughs> uh, but Nick, we sticking with quarterbacks. Uh, you have a pretty bold prediction here yourself. Uh, let the people know what this is. I know. I'm pretty pumped. I just in general, the amount of QBs I would be comfortable with as my number one. I mean, it's going to be Kyler Murray. He's going to be my quarterback because he he falls to around nine and ten, and I'm going to have him in every draft. But if somebody wants to be a dick in my leagues because they've been reading my stuff and they want to take him around six or whatever, I I have plenty of friends who do that. It sucks. But there's still so many other guys I love, and two of these guys are getting drafted outside the top twenty right now that I think could easily finish within the top ten. And that's the bold prediction. It's Dak Prescott and Josh Allen, both going outside the top 20, will finish within the the position's top 10. Now, it's probably going to be tough for both of them because there is only 10 spots to finish in the top 10, but at least one of those guys, no doubt in my opinion, Prescott, the one I feel a lot better about, one, because he's been a top 10 quarterback all three years of his career so far, so is that even that bold of prediction? I mean, it seems it when he's getting ranked as the QB 22 and getting drafted even lower than that, uh, but this guy's been a top 10 quarterback all three years of his career thus far. The only other guy to do that over those three years was Drew Brees, uh, and there's one other, maybe Russell Wilson. I can't forget off the top of my head. But Russell Wilson has been uh, a QB, like, top 12 QB over yeah, his career. Yeah, it's been top 12, sure. maybe, but top 10, it was... Is the only Drew Brees and like one other guy of these last three years has only been the top ten quarterback. Uh, yep. So so Prescott, I mean, I think is just already been unbelievable. It is Russell Wilson. It was the right guy. I found my note that right there. Yep. <laughs> um, but but you know you look at when he got Amari Cooper last year, he was not only a top ten quarterback, he was the number seven quarterback in fantasy from week nine on, topping twenty one fantasy points in six of those eleven games together.
either, uh, yep. as compared to around 17 points, what he's, he was averaging before that. And I, I the, the most intriguing part to me is not that he has Amari Cooper now, but now that Kellen Moore is going to be there calling plays. I, I, I'm a big believer. I know a ton of people out there that don't care about play calls. They think it's all bullshit. But I'm a huge fan. I, I think when you look at an offense that's getting a young mind like Kellen Moore, who everyone's raving about, who played in a system at Boise that was all about disguising plays pre-snap and using the variety of formations and just taking deep shots and whatnot. If he's bringing that style of offense, uh, Dan Orlowski, one of my favorite analysts who played with Kellen Moore, said he's, he's going to compare it to, you know, uh, a baby of Sean Payton, Matt Nagy, and uh, Sean McVay. I mean, wow. I, I mean, that's wow. quite the, the offensive godchild. I would love <laughs> wow. to have that birth this year if Kellen Moore can be even close to that. Obviously, some high praise, some high minds, um, but it's all about that vertical speed, all about disguising things, even if they run similar stuff and about pushing the pace. You get a little bit faster pace with Dak, more plays, as you just mentioned, that stat. I, I can see that happening for the Cowboys in particular. The one area I really think Kellen Moore is going to use um, Dak Prescott so well is as a runner. He's been very underutilized despite being one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league. His red zone rushing average is 4.46 yards per carry, 18 touchdowns in the red zone over these last three years as compared to the league average, which is 2.64 yards per carry and an average of 10 touchdowns for people that are racking up those amount of carries. So Dak's been been crushing it over the span as a runner. Kellen Moore's already said, you know, we need to have better red zone success and that starts with using 4-21 and 21, uh, Dak Prescott and, and um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel better. Uh, so yeah. a lot more read options they're saying in early OT They've gone a lot of spread in the red zone and then designed QB runs and whatnot. So with that type of success, you add, you know, four or five rushing touchdowns, 30 more points and a little bit more yardage, plus just better overall passing stats in a year full of Amari Cooper. I don't see why people are expecting Dak to not repeat as a top 10 quarterback, which he's been for three straight years when everything's even that much better now. And it's not just Amari Cooper, right? You have Gallup there who's a phenomenal wide receiver. Developing, Uh, yep developing people were saying that he could easily be a one in this league mm-hmm. and now you bring in randall cobb who's going to help with those jet sweeps behind the line of scrimmage to help disguise some of those plays give yep. this offense a little bit more creativity i love uh, tony pollard too have you done tony pollard is you know rookie so, running so, back so here's the thing right i have zeke currently ranked as my number one overall quarterback mm-hmm. and you know, I'm basing that off of the volume, the, the target volume that he saw when Amari Cooper arrived, where he got, I mean, he was on pace for a shit ton of targets there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, with the volume that he had, he was averaging like 28 touches a game in that span from weeks 9 to uh, 16. And Tony Pollard's kind of scaring me off where I don't think he's just a special teams guy. I think he could be integrated on, you know, those hurry up, uh, those hurry up drives, up tempo drives mm-hmm. that you were just talking about. Some of those, uh, you know, third down situations where they could maybe bring out both of those backs in. Yeah. And Tony, po- T- Tony Pollard could steal away from some of Zeke's uh, target volume. But at the same time, this offense is really potent. I feel like it could be very potent. They have a, a d- dominant defense as well that could give the ball back to Dak constantly on a, on a regular basis. So, uh, I mean, Dak. If you look back to his rookie year, man, like people forget so quickly how dominant this guy was in his rookie year. I know, year. man. I know. It's, and it's crazy to think, too, that they were the 22nd ranked team in points and total yardage, and this guy still was a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. So, I mean, they take a small yeah. step forward as an offense 
is all it takes for him to just be that much higher. And I, and they could take a massive leap forward with all the talent they have and somebody that's better able to use it. And Kellen Moore, again, another risk just like Kyle Murray. We don't know for sure that this offense is going to pan out and be everything that people are scheming it up to be. But when you bet on these big offensive turnarounds, if you bet on the Rams a couple years ago, if you bet on the Bears last year, uh, the Colts yep. last year, I mean, when you find the right guys that are calling the plays and you go right in on those teams, then it ends up paying off huge for you. I really think Dak, uh, along with the the Cardinals in Arizona, the dead last offense in the league last year, the Cardinals, I really could see them becoming a top five team in scoring as well. I'm right there with you. Yeah, the the other guy was Josh Allen. I know we did a lot on Dak there, so I'll be real quick here. But just for anyone that didn't realize it, this guy was the number two quarterback in fantasy once he came back from his injury. I believe it was week 11 when he returned. Dominant force. He had a ton of 20-point games, a couple 30-point games in there. A lot of it because he was running just wild all over the place uh so he was dominating and then he gets just two new deep weapons and, and uh josh brown added you get cole beasley out john, of the slot john brown john brown i mean not josh he, brown yeah he was dominant um, last year for the ravens as well i mean you four, see, three, you four, see flacco. 40. yeah i mean look at he this speed, right? four three yeah. four speed dominated with flacco you got robert foster four four one speed you got zay jones four four five speed and you look at josh allen almost 20 percent of his pass attempts traveled 20 plus yards downfield the highest in the league there uh very successful at completing that deep air yardage as well so you give him even better deep weapons this is an offense that likes to sling it deep likes to design runs for this guy and then gives him better weapons a number two quarterback scorer last year to end the year i wouldn't be shocked i mean number two would be kind of crazy but to see him to continue that pace would not right. surprise me at all so two guys in dak and josh allen going outside the top 20 i wouldn't be shocked at seeing them finish uh in that top 10 this year I like it, man. I mean, I'm having a little bit of trouble ranking Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I like Josh Allen a little bit better just because I feel like this team is going to be better, uh, much more improved. They were sneaky good last year. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch this year. You know, that that smash mouth, in-your-face football on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, and I, th- I just think they suffocate other teams with their uh, It's, their jo- it's Josh defense, Allen. So. It's not close, my friend. I, I mean, I love Lamar Jackson, especially as an athlete, but that guy can't throw a fucking ball. And, and yeah, you're going to get all those reports that he's improved his footwork and it's it's the ball looks nice in camp but right. he just does not look good as a thrower and greg That's roman i mean a, a great coordinator for a run heavy offense and a a dual threat quarterback after his experience with kaepernick and he had tyrod, tyrod taylor, taylor. I, I get yep. it but then you look at their fantasy finishes and it was like yeah real life wise you know they had some solid years but Kaepernick had one QB 11 year, his big year where he blew up and was the next thing. He was only quarterback 11. The other two, he was quarterback 16. Tyrod Taylor was quarterback 16. To me, that offense just is so run-heavy and kind of bleh. And they, I mean, they've never finished. And, and uh, offense with Lamar Jackson never would finish. But a Greg Roman offense has never finished above the top uh, the bottom four in total passing yards. In fact, it's been bottom two in four out of his five years. So, I mean, when right. you, you just take that point source away from Lamar Jackson, whereas Allen, I mean, is he a great passer? Nobody's going to confuse him for Tom Brady or anything, but he slings the ball. He delivers it deep pretty well, and I, I just think those two are kind of worlds apart. I'm also pretty down on Lamar Jackson, so, you know, maybe right. that's my next bold prediction is he sucks, but <laughs> I, I think as a runner, he's amazing, but if that's the only point 
point source from your quarterback. It's such a pass-heavy league. I mean, that's why right. Kyler Murray is such a, we hinted at, it's not just his running. He's an unbelievable passer. That's why he's right, going to be right. a top three quarterback this year. So uh, I feel like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Lamar Jackson saying he sucks is kind of a stress just because he did <laughs> uh, go 6-1 and one as, a, as a rookie. He, t- he turned around the team. Real took life, the again, so, real life is different, my friend. <laughs> real life is different. I'm, I'm stuck absolutely. in the fantasy world when but I'm talking to you. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Where like people picked him up off the waiver last year. And I want to move on here really quick, but I do want to remind everyone, like you picked him up last year, hoping that he was going to put up monster, like 40 point, 30 point games, but that just kind of never transpired. 16, so, um, a decent floor. He's got a decent floor. There's just yeah. the ceiling seems and so capped it. with me. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this team kind of ditches their, uh, their attempt at integrating him into, you know, a more pass heavy role. And they right. just say, fuck it. Let's just go in and let's just do what we were doing last year. Yeah. But, um, so let's d- just kind of speed things up here. Um, I know we, we each gave one bold prediction for quarterbacks. Should we uh, jump to the running backs or should we keep no, going? No, with quarterbacks? not at all. I actually want to deliver this next bold prediction. Okay. <laughs> um, so with this next one, I'm going to, you had mentioned this a little bit at the beginning when you were starting to talk about, I think it was Dak Prescott, um, mm-hmm. where he finished every year as the top 12 QB. And you talked about this guy, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. who's finished as a perennial top 12 QB as well. My bold prediction is that this is the year that he finishes outside of the top okay. 12 QBs. And, okay, before you leave, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know why. Okay? I don't think it's horrible, by the way. I'm not leaving. I don't know if listeners are leaving. I don't hate Listen. it. I actually don't hate it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Saints fan, I know you're, you're probably not listening anymore because <laughs> Saints fans are ridiculously combative about Drew Brees and, and this entire and, and their entire team. But mm-hmm. listen, there's, there's a, if you guys have heard, I did a podcast with Saturday Morning Snap, uh, Mac from Saturday Morning Snap. Uh, he threw out the stat, which is something that I kind of already knew, but he kind of put it more into, into numbers, right? From 2010 to 2016, the Saints have ranked second in terms of mm-hmm. passing attempts every single year, except for 2013. And in 2013, they actually ranked fourth and, in passing attempts. And they won the Super Bowl that year, too, didn't they? That and was they the year the when they were more run-heavy and they won the Super Bowl, which I, I know is probably what you're getting towards, but yeah. Right, right. So this offense can be effective without putting everything on Breeze's shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. But now you look at 2017 and 2018. In 2017, Breeze finished as a QB9, and they were ranked 19th in total pass attempts. And then last year, they took a dip, dip even further, ranked 23rd in passing attempts. Drew Brees still finished as a QB7 uh, in 2018. So he's still got it, right? I'm not saying that he doesn't have it. He has the weapons around him, Michael Thomas, uh, Alvin Kamara is there, of course. But now you look at who they brought in in Latavius Murray, who, so, who was someone I wasn't really sold on um, to take that Mark Ingram role. But then you dive into it. And from 2015 to 2018, Latavius Murray, guess where he ranks in terms of rushing touchdowns, Nick? Uh, I've seen that stat. It's like second or third, right? He, it's a ton. It's second. From yeah. 2015 to 2018, amongst all active running backs, he ranks second in total mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns, only behind Todd Gurley. Yeah. Whose time whose time is probably up now. But uh, oh, Latavius Murray, you want to go to bold <laughs> predictions. Don't got, even get me I gotta going throw on that in there. I gotta warm oh, people no. up for this. <laughs> but Todd Gurley had forty six rushing touchdowns, so he's been pretty dominant in that four year span. Latavius Murray with thirty two. But then if you if you factor in another extra year, twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen, Latavius Murray is still at number four with total rushing touchdowns. The only ones above him now are LeGarrett Blunt, who was third, and actually Mark Ingram, who was second. Mm-hmm. So that kind of shows you, right? They they got a very good comp to Ingram yeah. to replace that role. So I think this team's going to be very run heavy. I think this defense turns around with Marshawn Lattimore coming back uh, with its 
third year in this third year in this defense. He, he kind of dropped the ball last year. Eli Apple, um, you know, wasn't really phenomenal for them last year. I feel like they added a couple pieces on defense as well with Demario Davis. They still have uh, they have Cam Jordan on the on the edge. I think this team could be really dangerous. I think they could still win the NFC South without having to put everything on Drew Brees' shoulder. And if you look at the weapons with Michael Thomas, who's someone who I'm also a little bit lower on, they have a healthy Ted Ginn back. They have Traquan Smith in his second year. They still have Cam Meredith. They brought in Jared Cook, who's a guy who's known for having his yards after catchability. If you look at these older quarterbacks, like Eli Manning, like Drew Brees, their teams are bringing in these guys. Don't can- say those two motherfuckers in the same sentence. Come on. I know. I, I, I was know. on board with this conversation until you put Drew Brees and Eli Manning. Oh, God. The reason, the reason Come why on. I, oh. The reason why I comp those two guys is because, listen, they're both getting up there. They're both – I mean, Drew Brees, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires after this year. Same thing with Eli. I mean, are you going to tell me that's not true? The age, I'm I mean, saying, you can't argue the age, but I don't get One is clearly still a great quarterback and has always been a great quarterback, and one is a bag of shit quarterback that's always been a bag of shit that got lucky in a couple big games. Like, so where, the, where, where in that did I say that they're equal in terms of talent? I never I said that. Know, I said, but, what I said, what I said was they're that they're getting, getting older. older. They, 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 there's yeah. nothing, they're not the same people, though. There's Tom Brady's 41, and he's fucking unbelievable. He's still the GOAT. Like the Age Brady, affects Tom. different people differently, especially better quarterbacks than worse quarterbacks. They're this is apples and oranges. There's no comparison okay, so, here so, other than so, they're both the same Okay, so tell, me, so tell me what happened to Drew Brees in the second half of the season last I, year. They, I, I don't mind this prediction. I'm not against this prediction. The run-heavy Saints, the defense, the ball control, that's when they're at their best and the most dangerous is when they don't need to put it on Drew Brees' shoulders. He's only it, – but I – it's Drew Brees is still nasty. He he didn't suck, did he? Like, was is there stats that said he was bad in the second half, or was that his team didn't need him to be the Drew Brees of 2011, where he's throwing for 5,040? Like, they've put enough around him, and that's the argument against Brees. And I and I'm not totally against it. I'm I'm lower on Brees than the expert consensus too. I'm not as low as you outside the top 12 because I, again, the reasons you've illustrated in these last couple of years, even when they got more run heavy, it's still Drew Brees. He's still got some good weapons around him. He's got one of the best lines, if not the best line in football. So Brees is still going to do his thing. He still has a very high floor, but I agree right. that the ceiling of the Drew Brees just like, we're not going to see that 45, it's not 5,000, it's not 40 there. TD Brees anymore. So I'm with You're, you. I, that, I, I get that. I just, the only thing that made me pissed off was you compare somehow saying Breeze and Eli in the same sentence. That, I don't know. Nick, that you just listening. can't be you said. Weren't, <laughs> you weren't listening. What I, the point I was trying to get to was the fact <laughs> that they brought in someone like Jared Cook who can do a lot more after the catch. Well, and, I like, and I like Jared Cook, yeah. Right, right. And that's the point fit. I was trying to make mm-hmm. before you, you had mentioned that I was trying to comp Drew Breeze but, and Eli. But the only point still... I, no, 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 no. The only point I was trying to make here <laughs> is that they brought in a guy like Golden Tate and, and – in the Giants' offense, right? Yeah. Who's a better yards after catch receiver than Golden Tate? Oh, He's nobody. The best He's one. perfect. Yeah. He's the best one. I get right? it. I so get how you, they're constructing he... it all. Right. But I, that, Drew Brees can still sling the deep ball. I mean, he can still throw a, a nice one. Eli Manning just sails ducks over everyone's head. It's not like they – Eli Manning's more out of necessity, whereas Drew Brees, it's just like, uh, yes, Jared Cook's a great yards after catch guy, but I think it's a stretch to be like, oh, now they need only yards after the catch guys for Drew Brees. It's just a great fit in an offense that sorely lacked or that big tight end present that Brees made money with with Jimmy Graham. I think it's more so having that big red zone body, a nice number two compliment to Michael Thomas because they didn't really have anyone outside of Thomas and Kamara last year. Now they have a, a nice big safe body after the catch guy, but I think it's more so adding that element 
out of just you know luxury rather than necessity. Whereas the Giants, it's a hundred percent necessity in my opinion. Right. No, I I totally understand that. So, yeah. um, I mean, at the end of the day, listen, he still has a, has weapons around him to to prop him up in terms of fantasy when he does need to throw. I just feel like he's not going to be throwing the ball off, and I feel like Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara, they are they are going to get a lot more volume than yeah. we're expecting. Uh, especially them also drafting another. Uh, actually, he was undrafted, Devin Azigbo, who's uh, who's a Mark Ingram replacement. Uh, he's a Mark Ingram comp coming out of college as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this offense is still going to be pretty powerful. But let's move on to this next prediction yeah. in another offense that we're predicting to be pretty pretty powerful. Uh, you've got another quarterback lined up, uh, and this bold prediction is really interesting. Yeah, and this one is. Also dependent not only on this team, but also the Chiefs and what happens with Tyree Kill. Because if Tyree Kill's out there, nobody's outscoring Mahomes. There's no doubt his throne is going to stay there. And he's still my number one ranked quarterback. I'm not going to be psycho enough. But the one guy I could see really coming in and challenging him and taking that top spot is the QB6 in expert rankings right now, but my QB2, and that's Baker Mayfield, uh, who wow. I'm in absolute love with. Uh, and, and this was even before they went and got Odell Beckham. I was in love with, uh, with Baker Mayfield field mainly because you got Freddie Kitchens you got that that chemistry with Freddie Kitchens and how much he started to dominate uh with with him once they finally got uh rid of Hugh Jackson and brought in Kitchens I believe it was something like uh Baker Mayfield I'm trying to find my note here I lost it where did I put it there it is uh his efficiency went up oh it was it was insane he went up to like he was on pace for like 4,600 yards 35-something touchdowns, like to be the QB 4 or 5 with a very weak weapons cabinet last year when Jarvis Landry couldn't do what he does best because he was the number one facing number one. Now you got him just destroying the underneath. You got Odell Beckham lifting the lid. Um, and you got Freddie Kitchens who decided to call a ton of deep shots. Now mixed yep. with Todd Munkin, which... Originally, I was like, I'm all aboard this. This is going to be unbelievable. The air raid concepts, Baker Mayfield thrived in the air raid in college. We just saw Jameis Winston and Ryan says Patrick combined for the league lead in yardage under Todd Munkin. Uh, and then you got Baker Mayfield, the number two ranked deep passer from Pro Football Focus. Number one was actually Drew Brees, just for the record. Just saying, just saying. Not right. out of necessity. The guy can still sling it deep. But right. Baker Mayfield was the number two ranked uh, deep passer from Pro Football Focus. So you get this offense that's all about bombing it deep um, and whatnot. It just, to me, was the perfect marriage of scheme and Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin. Now, reports are they're kind of starting to butt heads and there's a little bit of trouble in paradise between Munkin and Kitchens. I was going to bring that so, up. So I'm, I don't know. That might impact this. We'll see what happens there. But right. I'm assuming it's two bright guys, two great offensive minds that both do things that Baker does really well. Uh, I imagine that those guys are going to get this uh, figured out and whatnot. And so the exact efficiency stats, I found them over here. Uh, it was 8.72 yards per pass attempt, uh, 395 total yards per game, uh, uh, best in the league once Kitchens took over, 285.9 passing yards per game, fourth in the league, um, and all leading the NFL in just total yards per play, 6.86. So this offense just became kind of that juggernaut under Kitchens. He's now the main guy. They got that chemistry together. And then you give them maybe the most dangerous weapon. I believe you're a huge Odell fan. I hope so. I don't know how you couldn't be outside of the injuries, which we could talk about too. Definitely an injury-prone yeah. guy at this point. So, but, so let me, let me uh, ask yeah. you a question here then. Um so they gave away Kevin Zeitler in that trade for mm-hmm. Odell, yeah. right? This offensive line is pretty concerning, if you ask me. Because yeah, really it's unproven. They have, they have, it's unproven, right? Definitely. You have Joel Petonio. Uh, you have a couple of tackles like Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard. Like, who the hell are those guys? Yeah. They gave away arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the league. 
And I mean, I, I don't think Baker's going to have that much time to to kind of stand and deliver. He's going to have to put the put the plays on his shoulder, you know, off schedule throws, things like that. Do you think he can do that? I do, and I, I think it's not quite as escapable and, and agility wise as as Kyler Murray. But Baker does move in the pocket very well. He is a, a solid athlete that can move around and throw well on the move too. So I'm not overly concerned, especially if they're integrating those air raid concepts again, where the ball is designed to get out there quick. Uh, I'm not overly concerned about the line. I think it will still be a top 15, a, a bet, you know, one of the better ones in the league because they do have a couple decent names. Um, you got to hope they all gel. That is a, a cause for pause, yes. But we yeah. saw, you know, last year the Chiefs line coming into the season was ranked, I think, bottom like 25. And then they ended up going up to 13 because Pat Mahomes was so good at getting out. He never got hit. He never got touched. I can see something very similar with Baker Mayfield. To me, again, we that fantasy t- talent formula, fantasy stock formula, the talent's there. The usage will be there. It's going to be one of the pass-heavier offenses in the league. The surrounding talent is now one of the best weapons cabinet in the league between Odell and Landry. And then you got, you know, I love Antonio Callaway's Antonio athleticism. Callaway's. Uh, Higgins. Three. Higgins makes some of the best back shoulder catches you'll ever see. David yep. Njoku maybe someday will realize his potential. I'm never going to buy him again. His motherfucker got too many <laughs> goose eggs last year, but still an athlete, a red zone body. So, And then you got Nick Chubb and potentially Kareem Hunt down the stretch run. That's a ridiculous overall offense with two great minds Got about Duke plays. Johnson there too. Uh, and Duke Johnson, I mean, yeah, one of the best pass-catching backs by every single metric you want to to throw out there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a very stacked overall offense. I see Baker Mayfield throwing for 5,000 yards this year, 40-ish wow. touchdowns, and threatening for Pat Mahomes' throne, especially if Tyreek Hill misses a significant chunk, if not all of the season, because of all this going on. So I, I'm huge on Baker Mayfield. 5,000, 40-plus TDs. <laughs> hey, he's going to blow up. This is the bold prediction show for a reason, ladies and gents, and, and uh, that's exactly the reason right mm-hmm. there. There you go. I like it. I like it, man. Um, all right, cool. So let's uh, let's do the wide receivers here next. Uh, one of my bold predictions here is going to be uh, kind of between a debate that goes on every single year between every these two year. guys. <laughs> every single year. And every single year, people, you know, they, they lean one way uh, where I – tend to lean the other way because I know the breakout's coming. (laughs) And I'm talking about Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, right? Mm -hmm. Most people, if you take a survey, if you ask them who you're going to take over, you know, who you're going to take first, it's going to be Adam Thielen. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to say it. And they're going to point to his first eight weeks of last season, right? But what they fail to realize is that he benefited a lot from the lack of a run game, lack of Dalvin Cook. He benefited a lot uh, from John Filippo, who was trying to earn a head coach job and who wanted to keep the ball in the air constantly, which is the reason why he got fired in the first place. A big history with slot receivers, too. John big DeFilippo, yeah, huge history. D.D. Westbrook, so, by yeah. the way, keep yeah. an eye out for him. Hey, well. all about it. Yeah, I'm with you. All about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my bold prediction here, Nick, is going to be Stephon Diggs finishes a lot higher than Adam Thielen at the end of the year. Mm. And let me how, go into- how how big of a gap are you? Are you going to get to that? Because I'm interested to see so, how deep of this gap you think. I mean, if you're listening to this on Friday, you can go check out my updated positional rankings, top 24 rankings per position on my Instagram and Twitter page at DraftRoomPod. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. But I've got Stephon Diggs in the top 12, and I don't have Adam Thielen in the top 12. And mm-hmm. let me tell you why. Because Dalvin Cook coming back take, makes a huge difference here, right? Because from weeks one to eight, like I was talking about, we all know Thielen caught uh, – I mean, he had eight games in a row, 100-plus yards. He tied a record. Who was the first one to do that? I think that was uh, – uh, was it Randy Moss or who, who had eight straight games in it? Um, uh, a, I think it was Moss. Yeah, I'd have to check that. I'm Moss or Johnson. I think it might have been Calvin Johnson. But anyways, per game on an, on average, he was getting 12 targets 
eight receptions, 116 yards, six mm-hmm. touchdowns out of his eight total touchdowns came in those first eight weeks. Yeah. He was he was actually the wide receiver one through eight weeks. So he was dominant. You, yeah, he was unbelievable. If you, if you drafted Thielen, you were you were extremely happy. You thought you had a league winner on your hands. Mm-hmm. But then in that same time frame, you look at Diggs as well, right? Who still had three hundred plus yard games. And per game, he was getting ten point six targets, seven and a quarter receptions, seventy three and a half yards per game. He was a wide receiver ten as well. So they were both top twelve wide receivers. And then Diggs missed week nine. Week ten was a bye. And now you look at weeks eleven to sixteen. Thielen, let me compare his numbers from weeks one to eight, right? From eleven to sixteen, Thielen was getting seven point seven targets compared to his twelve targets. Mm-hmm. 5.3 receptions compared to 8 receptions, 64.7 yards compared to 116 yards, mm-hmm. right? It's a difference of about 5 targets a game that yeah. he, was, he was missing. And I want you guys to remember that number, the 5 targets right there. Mm-hmm. His production got cut in half, and he only scored 2 touchdowns in those weeks, 11 to 16. Yeah. Over those games. He was a wide receiver, 17. Mm-hmm. And. Nick, do you remember what happened to Stephon Diggs towards the end, uh, down the stretch? Yeah, he caught like a touchdown in like what four straight weeks or something of that nature. Something like that. He yeah. caught five of his nine touchdowns in those six mm-hmm. weeks. I got gotcha. you. So nine targets, six receptions, sixty-five yards a game average. He was also still the wide receiver ten there, and now you bring in Cook, who was taking away those five targets from Adam Thielen. Cook was averaging five and a half targets a game, four touchdowns in that span, two rushing, two receiving. Mm-hmm. So that stabilizing run game, especially with his Gary Kubiak, Gary Kubiak uh, zone run scheme, you know, he runs a hybrid zone run scheme. And if you look at what he did in Denver, you look at his time in Denver, what he did with the running backs there, um, longer developing plays with Demarius Thomas as well, those play action shots down the field. I mean, Irv Smith is also a potential field stretcher now, uh, running those uh, seam routes where they don't just have Thielen across the middle of the field. Uh, and I feel like Thielen definitely takes a dip this year. And we can talk about Cousins all day as well. You know, he's a guy who's thrown for 4K yards every single year that he's been a starter. Um, so, I mean, yeah. What do you what do you feel about what do you feel about this bowl prediction? I think you, you bring me. up a bunch of interesting points here. Uh, and I wrote about Kubiak earlier in the year. And my my question, one of the takeaways was: Is there enough food to sustain both Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen as wide receiver ones? And the good news is, in 18 out of 22 years, he's had at least one 1,000-yard receiver. Two of the ones that weren't there was Andre Johnson getting hurt. He was on pace to smash like 1,500 yards. He was having monstrous seasons before he went down. So really only two seasons in which a receiver wasn't just dominating in that offense. But it's also been very rare that he's had a very quality, high-quality number two. There's only been four seasons when he's had two guys top 1,000 out of 22 seasons calling plays. Um, And those were those like John Elway, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey. Ed McCaffrey, uh, yeah. Um, that was two of those, uh, 1998 and 2000. And then he had one with Jake, Jake Plummer to Rod Smith and Ashley Leslie. Both had over 1,000. And then it was a long stretch in Houston. There was nobody. And then 2015, you get Peyton Manning to Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders, both top 1,000. But the, yep. the touchdowns have been pretty uninspiring. Uh, in the red zone, he gets very, very run-heavy. We see, you know, guys like... Arian Foster rack up 20 touchdowns, but Andre Johnson only have four or five, even though he does a ton of the work to get them into the red zone. Uh, Kubiak does have a pretty historic tendency to not throw much in the red zone, um, but to to run and run and run some more. So again, more love for Dalvin Cook, who I think we're going to talk about a little bit later too. Um, But in terms of touchdowns and whatnot for receivers, it's certainly, maybe he's had a couple thousand yard ones, but he's never had a guy dominate in the touchdown department with another guy doing okay 
day too. Uh, and then if I'm going to pick one or the other, I'm with you. I think Diggs is the better overall route runner, a better red zone present, just has been kind of more consistent throughout his career, wasn't just blowing up for a, an eight-game span. And Thielen's had some monster games, and Thielen's great too. So I think those two are more... This roster is more composed to those four outlier seasons of four out of twenty-two. I'd say both of them will top a thousand more likely than not. Right. But if I'm going one or the other, and there is that risk of a, a less volume-based passing game, I see Diggs as kind of the more dominant Alpha X, Andre Johnson, Demarius Thomas style, a little yep. bit more so than Adam Thielen. Uh, but Thielen could play the, the Ed McCaffrey, 10 touches. Like, I think they could both be solid, but I'm a little bit nervous for both of them, and it's not a passing game I'm, I'm really going all at either way. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So. Yeah. Adam Thielen at the 302, do you think that's a fair price? Or do you think 401 for Stephon Diggs is a little uh, and, bit better? And when you work in the price, for sure. I mean, it, it definitely Stephon Diggs at the price is the no-brainer there. Um, yep. But even, and that's, you know, regardless of price, the fact that I still think Diggs could probably outscore him and I have Diggs higher as well right. in my own rankings. So you work in the price and then it's a no-brainer in my opinion. Yeah, man. So I'm excited for Diggs. I think he has a true breakout season uh, this year. Um, but let's move on to the next uh, bold prediction here. Nick, so this is going to burn some uh, some ears because this guy is the fantasy darling, as you like oh, to say. Biggest darling in there, you know. This guy this guy caught on fire in terms of hype earlier this offseason. I think he's still on fire. Uh, it might be cooling off a little bit, but people are still pretty high on him. So let the people know what this bold prediction is. Yeah, Chris Godwin, the, the love of everybody's life these days, is just a little too hyped in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean I'm down on Godwin as a player. I, you know, 6-1 frame, plays well contestedly, moves pretty well, body control in the air. Uh, there's rumors he's going to go into the slot where we had that invaluable Larry Fitzgerald stretch run of 100-plus catches for three straight years. So if Godwin's manning that and they're already talking about he's going to be a 100-catch guy and all that, then you know what? Maybe he does break out and have a huge season, but he's starting to go in you know, round four round guys like Stephon Diggs and, and Thielen and these established guys we've seen dominate for his strong stretch runs. We have no guarantee that Chris Godwin's going to get any of that done. I mean, yes, he's in a decent setup, but Mike Evans is the fucking guy there. Like, he's been a beast. He's going to continue to be a beast. I have no doubt about that. Arians does like to run it in the red zone, so a lot of these people are saying Godwin's such a red zone monster. I mean, Arians loves dread. And I know me and you both love O.J. Howard, who I think is the true number two to Mike Evans' number one. So if he can stay healthy all year, then it's yep. a no-brainer. There's no way Chris Godwin's going to be finishing up or he's getting drafted in the, inside the top 20. 20 receivers right now so I mean yes you always want to be ahead of the breakout you want to get the guys and look smart and with like Kyler Murray you don't want to buy him at their ceilings but right now I feel like everyone's buying Chris Godwin at what his ceiling is if he has a Stephon Diggs season then that's awesome and that's what you hope for but you don't want to pay for that whereas you buy Diggs you're like okay I know my floor is right around here and I have this huge ceiling I think everyone's buying Godwin way too high for a guy that hasn't really proven anything yet he had some nice catches some nice plays and 900 yards or so last year. Uh, but the other guy is Corey Davis, who somehow, some way, I guess he doesn't have the, the, as much hype and as much puff as Chris Godwin, but people just find a reason to justify it for this guy. And I have not seen one single fucking shred of evidence that this guy will I ever think, be I think I know anything. who you're talking about, by the way. 
way. Corey I, Davis. It, it, no, 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 no. You're, you're taking a shot at the duck, right? Matt? Oh, the duck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know your boy duck. He, loves, he, loves, he loves Corey, Corey Davis. Davis. He swears by him. I, I, I mean, why. he's coming on our pod. And I, I keep trying to get him on, but he keeps kind of scurrying away into his little duck hole and, and <laughs> hiding from me. I'm trying to get duck on to debate this. I don't get why. He, he, I'm on the record as calling him the most overrated player in fantasy. I'm about 30 spots lower on my big board than the expert consensus. He's topped 10 half PPR points last year four times as compared to, you know, five week runners. He had more weeks under five fantasy points than he did weeks over 10 fantasy points. Some of those weeks looked great. He looks like that dominant alpha that we've all been waiting for. Uh, making yep. contested catches over my Patriots players. I actually, dro- I mean, the reason my hatred burns just so deep was I dropped him because <laughs> I was so sick. It was, you know, I hate cut when you're just like, yeah, I shouldn't cut this guy because it's Corey Davis and, you know, I right. spent a lot on him, but you're just so sick of him that you're like, fuck you and you cut him. <laughs> and then you're just furious and it feels so good. Let someone my, else waste a roster spot. Fuck this. My opponent picked him up and played him when he was facing the Patriots. He puts up like 30 against me. And so now it's I typical. doubly it's hate him. He ruined my season and then ruined it again after I cut him. <laughs> uh, so awful. So I have that burning hatred. But part of it too is like, why is everyone excusing Mariota? What's Mariota ever done other than get hurt? Even when he's healthy, he's had one decent year passing. The guy's never thrown. Uh, for He's only top 20 TDs once in his career. He's had three. 300 plus yards in seven career games in four seasons it is now. They've ranked 21st, 28th, 28th, and 31st in pass attempts. Arthur Smith comes in and says, we're going to run an ugly offense where we just grind out wins on the back of Derrick Henry, which is what it should be when you got an absolute horse like Derrick Henry in the backfield. I just don't see any reason why Corey Davis, who's going ahead guys like Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Mike Williams, as well as Chris Godwin. I'd rather have Boyd, Anderson, Williams, and my love, Christian Wait, Kirk. Corey Davis, Corey Davis uh, his current ADP is in the ninth round, by the way. It's back in the ninth round. Oh, is it? I, was, I, was, yeah. I must be looking at something different because I have him in like the top 60, 70. No, no, no. Uh, his, his, his ADP right now is 909 and half PPR leagues. He's going behind Nicole Hardman, behind DK Metcalf, behind which, Nikhil Harry, behind Larry Fitzgerald. So, okay, so at what, that price. Then that's that price, not bad. What's, what do you use for ADP? Because that's not what my mind is telling me right. Okay, fantasy so fantasy football, football calculator. I, I was just looking at the fantasy pros because um, I do my rankings with the, their tool and it tells you right. like, you're 30 spots below. So I guess he's going right where I kind of have him ranked on calculator, which yep. is, you know, whatever. Take Corey Davis. I take all those other guys you just said above him. But in fantasy pros, including the expert ECR, the experts ranking, he's right <laughs> around like yeah, expert. expert 65 for Corey Davis. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, a lot of people seem to keep giving this guy a shot at redemption and a reason to, and I don't buy it. What's uh, what's Godwin's ADP on calculator? I got to start so looking that, at that because I've been only yeah, looking so, at fantasy so that's, pros. That's one question I did want to ask you, right? So Godwin, outside of the, the Rams wide receivers and outside of Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, Godwin is the first wide receiver on like in terms of ADP who's the number two on his team that's going in fantasy drafts right now. So he's going after Tyreek Hill. He's going before Jarvis Landry. He's going before mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins. He's going before Mike Williams, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I think that's a, a little bit of a stretch there. Would you take Chris Godwin over any of those guys? Or would you take... No, God, no. I'd take Christian Kirk over him. I, I'll yep. take the guy that I think is going to be the number one in this air raid offense that I love. Another And another guy, Cortland Sutton. What the fuck is... Like, why is everybody all about Cortland Sutton? Garbage. There's, there's just Garbage. these guys that... 
get so hyped and I don't see it and I don't understand why. So God, Godwin, at least I kind of, I've, I've seen the talent at least. So like I, I can see if he does man that slot role and OJ Howard has his injury history pop up, like, okay, I can see it with Godwin, but Corey Davis and Sutton are two guys that just get so much love that I just can never understand. I'm trying to find exactly right what his ADP. I'm looking it up right now. So he's 70 in the ECR, so like 20 or so spots higher. Who, Chris Godwin? Um, no, Davis. Uh, Godwin's, oh, Davis, Godwin's yeah. 50. Um, and as you mentioned, ahead of like Lockett and Anderson and all these guys that are just yeah. such better breakout candidates in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm I'm a little bit lower on uh, Chris Godwin myself. Uh, I Actually, he's on my updated rankings. He is in my top 24, but – I'm lower than where everyone else is taking him. So Corey Davis is going ahead of David Montgomery in the expert consensus rankings right now. No, like no, how, no, no. Those, those are very, very incorrect. Inaccurate. How is that even it's close? Not, I have it's Montgomery not, it's about 30 spots higher than he is on here, and I have Davis about 30 spots lower. That's like the biggest. I can't even. I can't look at that. Like, how, if anybody prints that cheat sheet out and uses that, thank you. I please join my league. That's hideous. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's move on. Let's let's forget about the trash expert consensus rankings. Yes. The only experts you need to listen to are Nick and I right here. Of course. Clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about and, and you know, this is going to be a, a bold prediction. It's going to seem like a bold prediction at first. But then I'm going to tell you guys why it's not really a bold prediction. Right. We're sticking Ooh. on the topic of wide receivers. I here. hadn't seen this one yet. OK, this is interesting. Absolutely. So mm. the bold prediction here, it's not an indictment. Okay, before I even say it, because I don't want you guys to, to exit out of the app and, and stop listening. This is not an indictment on his talent by any stretch of the imagination. This is a data-driven analysis. It's not emotion-driven, right? 99% of you out there are probably driven by emotion saying that I'm crazy for saying that DeAndre Hopkins is going to finish outside the top four wide receivers. That's a bold take, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. But guess what, Nick? He actually finished as a wide receiver four last year. Mm-hmm. So is it that bold? I mean, yes, I, I think so. I think, I mean, think last so? year he was playing through, as he's already come out and said, a bunch of shoulder tears and like the most pain of his professional career. Uh, Watson wasn't really himself until like this last like week 11 or so. It seemed like he finally became that Watson that we saw as a rookie that you know, they were averaging 40 points a game when, when Will, Will Fuller, Hopkins, uh, and Watson were all on the field together. And it just looked like that. It, they were averaging more points than Pat Mahomes was putting up last year, just to put it in, into perspective. So, uh, you know, the, the ceiling of that all kind of coming back together and, and, uh, Watson finally realizing his true ceiling for a full season and then yep. him being his number one guy and being fully healthy, I think there's some humongous upside. So even if he was a wide receiver for last year playing through all that shit, I mean, he put up 1,511 with like two horrible shoulders. Yep. I don't know. To me, it's Like just, I said. It, I know it's not an indictment on his talent. talent. He, and, and I think he's just the best receiver in the league. I think he's got a good quarterback thrown to him. I think he's got an offense that funnels the looks to him. So it, let it's me, even better when let me the tell other you. guys are healthy. I don't know. I, I get it that maybe he hasn't finished as a, higher than a wide receiver four before. No, he has. But, he has. Or, he has. He's finished year, as a wide receiver one. But I don't know. But let me tell. Okay, so let me tell you why, right? Let me tell you yeah. the data behind this, right? Because who the hell did Deshaun Watson have to throw to last year? DeAndre Hopkins and who else? I mean, Steven Anderson? When Will Fuller was there for five okay. games. How like, many Kiki, games? Like, Kiki QD okay. wasn't bad. But I honestly games? don't know if that hurts it. Like, I mean, that might be better for him no. to have some other weapons out no. there. No. No, 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 no. So let me explain to you something, right? The target market share from 2015 to 2018 with DeAndre Hopkins, insane. 2015, he saw 31.2% of the targets. Mm-hmm. He finished as a wide receiver for that year. 
2016, it dipped down to 25.9. So 26% target market share. He finished as a wide receiver 37. Only Wasn't that with Brock fucking Osweiler? Don't even okay. get that. Yes. Don't even use yes. it. Get that out of here. That doesn't count. Get that out of here. Not even listening to that one. That, that, get that out. All right. <laughs> All right. You don't have to count that. 2017, 33.1% of target share, wide receiver one. Okay. Nobody else there. He was still with Brock. No, he was still with uh, Tom Savage. He was still with who else was still with him? I think uh, wasn't that Watson's rookie year where he got hurt, but like they were dominating while he was right, healthy. right. But it was Tom Savage who took over after that, right? And, and it's QB proof, so you're you're giving me another reason to love this right. guy, you know? Okay, I'm again. It, this is not an indictment on talent. What, <laughs> what I'm trying to stress here, right, is a target market share here: thirty three percent, and then thirty two percent in twenty eighteen, where he finished as a wide receiver, wide receiver four. Right, his average over those four years has been thirty point six percent market share. The only guy that's averaged. Like he's he's first in terms of target market share. Do you have like a list offense. of all of them though? I was gonna ask you. I like, do. What's I do. Like I do. Julio Jones is. Do you that's have like? I'm, that's exactly what I'm getting to. So Julio's actually second in mm-hmm. that time frame, and Julio's dominant and is not only air yard market share but his target market share with 29.37 percent target market share in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that even with Kiki Kuti and Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins is gonna have a higher target market share than De- uh, Julio Jones? You're crazy. Get out of here, bro. No I mean, way. What, what, when Julio Jones' little foot injuries pop up like they always do, then yes, he's going to see more total targets, maybe target share, maybe not. But then you got Calvin Ridley, you got Austin Hooper, you got Despite Devonta Calvin Ridley, Freeman Julio Jones had a 31% target market share last year. Despite Calvin Ridley. Yeah. He dominates I, 50% of the air yard share. Right? Hopkins, Hopkins is one of those guys that's as good as if not better than Julio Jones as a talent, he's going to always command 30. It's like an Antonio Brown, no matter where that's, they are. I, be- I, I would be shocked if it maybe it dips to like 28% or whatever it might be. But even with that dip, if those other guys are staying healthy, to me that means this offense is more explosive. That means Deshaun Watson's back. I mean, again, I, I want to pull that stat up. I got to find it. I know it was over 40 points per game when they had Fuller and Hopkins and Watson back in two years ago. Uh, and, and I know... Watson, I mean, uh, Hopkins was on pace for like 20 touchdowns or something like that. So maybe the the total sheer volume goes down. But if that quality goes up a little bit because you can't just throw three guys. I mean, Hopkins has been doing this. Yes, he's had no one there. But he's had no one to take any type of pressure away from him either. So he's still going to be the focal point of defenses and and draw number ones. But he's been drawing number ones and the safeties and everything. If you got some guys there taking the top off the defense, getting them in the red zone more often where Hopkins is at his most dangerous – I'll take a three, four, whatever percent dip in the actual share because I think that efficiency and that volume is that much higher quality, in my opinion. Okay, so look back at the last couple of years. Who finished as a wide receiver one? They're typically guys who don't have any competition for targets at their position, right? That's, I that's mean, Antonio kind of Brown's been number one, and he had like Juju and he, there. Yeah, Juju there. This, okay, last year he had Juju for sure. He didn't finish as number good. one. He's the year before good. that, okay. Cool. So I, I totally get that. But if you look at the splits with with uh, Kiki Kuti and Will Fuller, you look at how much of a hit he took. With, mm-hmm. a, with games with only Kuti and no Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins went from averaging 12 targets to 7 targets, mm-hmm. 109 yards to 56 yards. I get it's a small sample size, but you have to consider the fact that Kiki Kuti, he's a baller. Will Fuller. He's good. They're both good. I, I love them both. both. Yeah. Will Fuller, I'm, I'm considering him to play like eight games max this season. Okay? I, I was going to say, though, ACL. you're now putting faith in two guys that have not yet proven for a single shred of a second that they can stay on the field either. Well, Kiki Kuti is not injury prone. Don't label him as that. It was I'm a not labeling injury. him, but he, didn't, he missed a ton of time last year. Sure. 
Sure. So so does we've so got one to, year. <laughs> so so did Anthony Miller. So did OBJ. So did and like all, all these the guys. Soft they tissue time. little shit. Yeah, I know. And I, I would say OBJ is injury prone. He always has some little nagging thing. I, I I don't like that. I hate that. And I'm not. We only have one year of sample size with Kiki Cutie, whereas we have a bunch with Will Fuller. But I'm not sitting here saying we got Iron Man next to Hopkins who plays through no, torn labor. Not. There's just a toughness factor that Hopkins Absolutely. has that very few people have. And and to me, maybe even if he doesn't finish. As the number one guy where he's going where he should go, you have this floor of he's going to play through anything. He's, I mean, has he ever missed a single career game? Maybe one or two thrown in there. I, I don't have the stat right. up here. But, I mean, he's been an iron warrior. He can play through any quarterback not named Osweiler. So, even if his he doesn't hit number one exactly, the floor, like, he's not going to finish lower than top five. And he still has every reason to have all that ceiling when you have a Watson finally rounding into form. And I, I really do think that if all those guys are healthy it maybe doesn't help 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 because he doesn't see as much targets but i don't think it hurts as much as you're leading on to here because i think the quality really does spike so let's let's book this conversation i'm, I'm, I'm I guaranteeing like this you one. that this is a good i'm one. guaranteeing you he's gonna finish outside the top four like you, right. can, you can you can put my name let's on put that some, let's put a little bet on this let's i'm do down something. to put a prop bet on that i like I'm that so we, gotta, to we gotta come up with a prop bet for some of these Absolutely. we'll come up with 100%. a scenario yeah this will be like fun we'll one. make a list we'll Hop, make yeah a list. we'll make a list but hopkins will absolutely be a top four receiver i will i will bet on that one all right all right let's move on to your next uh bull prediction here uh this is the last one for today uh we'll be coming back with some more bull predictions next time but this is the last wide receiver bull prediction here what's up I was going to say the next one will be running backs, which is one of my – I just love talking about running backs. I don't know what yeah. it is, but they just get me so horny talking about running backs, <laughs> like, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I don't think you're alone there. But yes. with uh, with your next bold prediction here, it's, it involves uh, an offense that we were talking about a little bit right now with Antonio Brown leaving, vacating, mm-hmm. uh, having Juju uh, move, uh, move into the wide receiver one uh, on this offense. Who's really the wide receiver two? And I think you have a take right here. I absolutely have a take. I think it's going to be Dante Moncrief. He's going to really lock down that role. I think he's going to explode into the top 25 wide receivers because of it. Uh, and I'm thrilled at the price that you're currently getting this guy. And I'm nervous because I'm starting to see some reports of the rapport and Moncrief dominating early OTAs and things like that. I know his price is going to skyrocket. But right now he's going at 150 or so uh, overall. And as long as that stays, I mean, I have him at 80. So I have, right now I'm 70 spots higher than the ECR, which is just insane um yep. but but even if he stays around that i'm gonna be all in on this guy and the reason is one just a physical specimen absolute monster 6 2 220 runs a 4 4 jumps at a 39 and a half vertical both led the combine when you have that type of gifts like you're always going to have a sky a limitless upside uh but then you look at the fact that He's been really asked to make chickens out of chicken shit these last few years. He's had Blake fucking Bortles. I mean, has there been a worse quarterback in the league than Blake Bortles? Jacoby Brissett. I mean, but okay, Luck, and exactly. And I'm glad you said that because when he had Andrew Luck, they, they've played 14 career games together. He caught 12 touchdowns in those 14 career games. So, I mean, he was an absolute scoring machine. You look at the physical skill set, a red zone body with leaping ability. When he's got a quarterback that can put the ball where he wants it, he's going to score touchdowns. Big Ben has always been able to put the ball where he wants it. This guy's going to score touchdowns. I'd be shocked if he scores any less than eight touchdowns. I think he's going to go for double-digit touchdowns. And if he truly locks down, like, I 
I am the clear-cut number two. I like a lot of the guys around. I mean, James Washington had a couple flashes. I think, I mean, there's a lot of good things about Donta Johnson um, coming out of camp right now that he's been one of the standouts. Vance McDonald, maybe he takes a step. But to me, that's just such a, a wide-open collection of stuff. And I think a lot of people are lumping Moncrief into that as, like, it's a competition between all these guys. I think Moncrief's a clear step above these guys. I think the fact that Big Ben's already said, uh, if I had to pick a standout, it's been Moncrief. I've been so impressed with how hard he's working he's with our, our receiver coach after practice all day, every day, locking this offense down. He's a cerebral guy that is really just dedicated to being great and wanting to learn. Whenever he's had talent, again, 12 out of 14 games, he had touchdowns when he played with Andrew Luck. And you mentioned the vacated opportunity here. You got 240 targets from last year between Antonio Brown and the, the less legendary Jesse James. But that's that's 35% of their targets, 2,547% of their, or 2,547 air yards. That's Almost 50% of their air yards are gone. You know Juju's going to get his share. He's going to get the heaviest share. I'm not arguing that he's going to get that taken from him. But the guest of honor seat here is a, a huge amount of aerial pie to be taken. And I really think Moncrief has that physical skill set that's a, a clear step above the rest of these guys. He's already showing up in camp. Um, I, I just love all the upside this guy's bringing to the table. Especially, again, the price. 150 overall right now. So you're telling me he's round going, he, 12? So he's, going, like, he's going the 13th round right now. He's uh, 13th round? Oh my good God. Like, if he's going anywhere after round 10... And I mean, after round eight, honestly, I really think, I mean, the clear-cut number two, think about what we were drafting Martavis Bryan as just two to three seasons ago for the fact that this was a physical freak as the clear number two in this offense. But that was Martavis Bryant with every single worry off the field that you could ever imagine about. Moncrief has that same exact physical skill set, maybe hasn't dominated quite as much when on the field, but when he's had Andrew Luck, he's been pretty damn dominant. He has that same physical skill set without any of the off-field risk without Antonio Brown they're commanding targets. It's just one of those things that I don't think anybody's realizing how much upside is really packed into this, especially at the price. And if you remember what he was doing with Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles, I mean, he was kind of a touchdown machine when he was getting the ball down the field where he was scoring touchdowns. Yeah, for sure. I totally see it happening. Um, I just think I have more confidence in Deontay Johnson and James Washington. Not more so Deontay Johnson than James Washington. I think James Washington might turn out to be a bust long term. Um, I really like Deontay Johnson, though. I really think he's going to develop into uh, that Antonio Brown role um, pretty nicely and pretty well just because of his separation ability, where Dante Moncrief, the only thing that he can separate with is his speed and not necessarily his route running. And his uh, size, and, though, his leaping ability, yeah. you know? So Ben's he's, he's not open the, when he's not open type of guy. That's, that's right, what right. his kind of calling card is. But here's the thing, right? Ben is not a kind of quarterback to throw his guys open. He's the kind of quarterback you know, that so. looks— He can, he can no. put it he, in the red zone especially. Like, I mean— no, Listen, who? Yeah, he can do that with AB, but we really haven't seen him. I mean, yeah, he's done it with Antonio Juju. Holmes. He's done it with Antonio Brown. He's done it with you know. He's done it with Vance McDonald. He's done it with tight ends. Like no, he doesn't. He, he doesn't Heath throw him Miller open. for years. Like, he he does. He doesn't he's, throw him open in the in no. the red zone. Absolutely does. They they used to throw the ball just jump ball after jump ball in the red zone. It was like almost as a Le'Veon Bell owner. I was like, what the? F- can you just run it one time? They love throwing it in the red zone, and there's nobody more dangerous than Moncrief on this team, in my opinion. But yeah. I, I I am worried about. You mentioned Johnson. I mean, he is a smooth route runner. He's a great separator. Like if he does what he did in college, and that's translating. If camp reports start emerging that this guy's dominating like he was in college, I'll be uh, certainly a little more nervous. He makes me a lot more nervous than James Washington does as well. But to me, right now, it seems very clear that Moncrief's the number two, and I think that just comes with so much upside. 
I totally got that. Cool, man. Uh, so that was our, our QBs and wide receivers. Uh, bold predictions <laughs> We here. have a whole list of like 10 more, too. So We got a whole We should have known we weren't going to get through this whole list. <laughs> it's it's been spicy. too long since we caught up. We knew we weren't going to get through this whole thing. <laughs> it's getting spicy, man. Uh, I love can't it. Wait to, yeah, can't wait to join you for the running backs and the tight end. Uh, bold predictions on our next show. Um, but let the people know where to find your podcast. And then you let um, the they... people, yeah, right after, make sure you let my people know, too, because I'm going to be running this on the fullback dive. Uh, so my podcast is the Fantasy Fullback Dive, ffbdpod.com. As a reminder, Roto Street Journal is our homepage, and you can find us on all the socials, Roto Street Journal. Just search it. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and me personally is at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter. I have a Snapchat, and I have a, it's actually a solid crew at Roto Street Wolf. That's just, that's the only way we communicate. My guys are sunny. And Did you I, say you, you have know, a Snapchat? Yes, yeah, Scott Brooks. I have like a, a Roto Street Wolf Snapchat. That, that, this was a, a couple years ago when Snapchat seemed like the emerging thing. And I right. made it, and I got you know five or six of my favorite followers of all time. But we still talk only on Snapchat. Uh, so if, you, if that's your thing, if you're listening and you're still like Snapchat, Roto Street Wolf's on there. Feel free to add me there too. Uh, I should probably nice. make an Instagram personal one at some point for Roto Street Wolf too. But but yeah, that's, that's where you can find me, Sunny. Where can I mean, I Sammy? Where can all my listeners find you? So you can find me at Draft Room Pod. I have an Instagram and Twitter. It's the same exact handle. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, actually, I'm posting little gold nuggets of information, a little bit of historical stats, metrics, mm-hmm. things like that. A lot of people find them useful. Uh, it's really helpful for, you know, come fantasy season, uh, where them, to rank yeah. kind of uh, some of these guys. Um, same thing on Twitter. I'm, I'm going through some of those historical metrics as well, posting threads about why I feel like certain guys are overvalued, why they're undervalued. Uh, so Definitely go ahead and follow me at Draft Room Pod there. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, if you want to hear some more numbers and data to back up my evidence, back up my claims, you can find us uh, on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you name it, your favorite listening uh, listening podcast platform by searching Draft Room Podcast. Uh, and I love interacting with listeners. I love answering questions. I love talking shop. That's why I think we uh, we spent about an hour and a half here talking uh, bold predictions. Uh, <laughs> had a great time. But uh, other than that, guys, uh, we'll see you guys next time with some more. I, I was going to say, me and you have talked too at some point in the summer of figuring out like a live stream show together or things like that. So if you enjoyed this banter, and I know I did, yep. and I love when it, when we could just go back and forth and agree on some, and then I love I like the disagreements. If you, you want to, if you want to hear gotta, more we, comparisons between Drew Brees and Eli Manning, I, I was going to say that we haven't even gotten to our biggest disagreement yet, and, and that, that'll be next episode. But at oh, some boy. point, we're going to be live streaming these, uh, so you can kind of interact and ask questions and whatnot while we're doing it. So if you like the banter between us two, uh, at some point we're going to have a weekly type of show. We're still figuring out the technology. If you're a tech wizard and you're listening and you know how to get a, a good live stream between two people in different locations, let me know. But that's, that's what we're trying to figure out. So hopefully we'll, we'll have that up within the next few weeks. I, I can't wait for that too. It's going to be a fun I'm looking time, forward man. to that. 100%, man. And yeah. especially during like the season itself. I know we're going to be doing a lot of stuff together. Uh, I love the rankings. fact that we kind of keep each other in check. Uh, you're yep. checking me on some of my stats. I'm checking you on some of yours. That's kind of how it's going to be. And that's how we deliver quality content, right? Because you want that and you want that in your analyst. And it's good when you hear differing you hear people that you like agree on two people like okay that's two checks for this guy that's great but it's also even better when you hear two people that you like disagree and you can kind of hear both sides of the coin and and figure out which one do you want a more side with what does your gut say i I think that's the best type of analysis is when you kind of uncover both so that's why i like that we had a a little bit of mix of of both in here and i know our next bold prediction episode we have have a few more (laughs) Get your gloves on, buddy. Yeah, they're ready. Still taped up right here. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Other than that, guys, we'll see you guys next time. 
Uh, and until then, stay fresh. Thanks again, Sammy, for that excellent fiery and stats-loaded, prediction-loaded episode that I hope you guys enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Remember, that is at Draft Room Pod if you want to connect with Sammy. He's always engaging with the fans, always talking to him. A great guy. Make sure you're giving him a follow. If you like the, the fantasy fullback dive in Royal Street Journal, he's right up in your wheelhouse, uh, and you could probably hear that tonight. He is a fantasy nut through and through. That's all about this game, and that's why I love him. That's what I keep having him on and, and why. We're going to hopefully do more and more of these shows. So thanks again, Sammy. Make sure you're connecting with him. And you can search Draft Room Podcast on app, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff to find his show as well. Of course, if you this is your first time with me, if you just found me through Sammy or anybody else, this is the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by Roto Street Journal. We're paving your path to 2019 titles. You can find all of our stuff, rotostreetjournal.com, our podcast website, ffbdpod.com, where we collect our show notes, uh, our videos and cut-ups and highlights from episodes and our our bonus little getaways and giveaways uh, that we kind of hide in the show notes. If you want to find any of that stuff, be sure to check out ffbdpod.com is the homepage for the podcast that paves your path to 2019 titles. Till next time, guys. Or Wolf is out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.